This is Cosmic Coffee Time, the place where we take a look at what's happening somewhere in the universe in about the time it takes to have a coffee. It's cosmology in a cup. I'm Andrew Prestige, and join me for a coffee as we welcome back a friend of the podcast, meteorite specialist Greg Brenneker. Greg is one of only about 100 full-time meteorists in the world. He's a cosmochemist at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, and he joined me to talk about a fascinating development in the world of meteorite impacts. Meteoriticist Greg Brenneker, it's great to talk to you again, and welcome back to Cosmic Coffee Time. Oh, it's great to be here. It's nice to see you again, Andrew. I really wanted to talk to you again because we heard in the news this month that there was an 8.5 kilometre wide impact crater uh, that was found off the coast of Guinea, West Africa. It's been named the Nadir Crater. Now, if this was an obvious crater, we'd already know about it. So what actually has been found and how was it discovered? Well, um, basically what it is, it's it's a large area of disturbed sediments uh, kind of off the coast of Western Africa. And as I understand it, it was it was basically uh, picked out in these seismic uh, maps uh, with from oil companies that are looking for kind of disturbances in, in areas of petroleum research. Um, so that's, I believe, how it was it was found. And when do we think it was formed? Was it related to the mass extinction of the dinosaurs? Well, that's that's what the authors are suggesting uh, that it could be. And I think. Uh, you know, it's one of these these things that are possible. Uh, we don't have all the information that we need to be able to say that uh, with a lot of scientific rigor yet. Uh, but it, but certainly looks like uh, the timing might work out. To it's around the time of the dinosaur extinction. Certainly, there's a larger impact crater uh, that that may be paired with this. Uh, that's still yet to be determined. But it's about the time of the in, uh, of the uh, dinosaur's extinction. And to make a crater that's eight and a half kilometers wide, it must have been a fairly substantial object that, that impacted. So how big would this object have been and how fast would it have been traveling when it hit the earth? So yeah, the, these things vary in size. I believe the one they're estimating is something like uh, 400 meters across and, and 20 kilometers a second. Uh, you know, those things uh, have large air bars on them, but uh, you know, the size of the crater uh, the type of rock that it uh, is formed in and the amount of water above it certainly play massive roles in, in how large a crater is and how large the impactor is. Now, the impact predates the first humans by 60 million years or more. But hypothetically, if I was standing on the coast of Guinea in West Africa 66 million years ago, looking out over the Atlantic Ocean, what would be the first indication that something big was about to happen <laughs> well you wouldn't want to be there first of all i think uh that's that's the first thing uh i think there would probably be a lot of uh activity in the atmosphere um so you certainly these things go through the atmosphere first uh you would you'd probably notice it there before it actually even hit uh you know depending on how close you were uh when when something like this this large at that speed hits the ocean uh you end up creating these massive tidal waves uh, it throws a lot of particulates, whether it's uh, water or soil and, and, and dust particles, vaporizing them, uh, throws them into the air, blocks out the sun. So, uh, you know, instantaneously, you would you'd be in serious trouble if you were if you were close to it. And that leads me on to the next question about what effect this would have had on the environment. Would it would it have caused any long term change to the environment and would it have caused a mass extinction in that local area? 
Well, it certainly could. It affects things locally for sure. Even smaller meteorite craters, uh, there's evidence of, of extinctions in local areas. Large meteorite craters can certainly have a global effect as well, uh, as we know from from Chicxulub and and uh, you know things of that sort. You know, these things can can toss up a lot of particulates that block out the sun. You end up having you know kind of a global winter um, for extended periods of time. Uh, depending on the type of rock it hits, you can also toss up a lot of toxins. If it hits a sulfide rock or, you know, a, a rock that's rich in sulfur, you can end up with acid rain and things like this. Um, so a lot of it depends on on what type of rock it hits, but the larger they are, the, the more damaging to the entire global climate there are. And it seemed like it landed in the ocean. Uh, it seems to be what they call a, a marine impact. Um, we know sea levels change over time scales of tens of millions of years that we're talking about here. And land levels change over those sorts of timescales as well. So how would we know that this was a marine impact? Is there a different signature for land and sea impacts? There are. Um, and I, and you're, you're right on with uh, how land and sea change over time. And, and certainly with geologic time, we're talking, you know, 66 million years difference of plate tectonics happening. Uh, you know, you can do these reconstructions of where the continents were and where the oceans were. Um, and, and this is an area that, that would have been underwater, uh, at that time. There's also some, some significant amounts of evidence from the actual crater itself, uh, to suggest that it was underwater when, uh, when this was, when this was happening. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's correct. And we know it's early days in the study of this, um, structure. And right now we're regarding it as a proposed impact site. How sure are we that this was caused by a meteorite? And are there other similar formations in the local geology? Uh, I would say at this point, from a scientific perspective, not sure uh, is is the safe way to go. Uh, certainly, you know, when you find something like this, it's it's very exciting and it's it's very sexy to say this is an impact crater. These these structures can be caused by a variety of things: uh, volcanic uh, eruptions. They can be caused by salt domes. Um, so those haven't been ruled out and until we can really drill down and, and get at the actual material itself, it's hard to definitively say it was an impact. Uh, so, you know, good scientists are always cautious. And I think the article, uh, certainly, uh, does that, does that nicely and says, this is a possibility to think about, we need more information. And just finally, Greg, what's next for this site? How can we learn more about the Nadia crater? Well, uh, like I mentioned, uh, in order to really definitively determine these types of things, you need the actual rocks themselves to be able to study. So in a case like this, uh, this requires probably some some offshore drilling, um, which you can drill down to the crater itself and bring back some some rocks that were actually affected by the event. If you find if it turns out that they weren't shocked and they don't have the those typical signatures of an impact, then it probably is not an impact crater. It really is an exciting discovery. And Greg Brenneker, it's been great to have you back on Cosmic Coffee Time. Thanks a lot. Really cool to be here. Greg's book, Impact, is published by HarperCollins. There's a link in the show notes or go to harpercollins.com and search Impact. Thanks for joining me. I'm Andrew Prestige and I'll see you again soon for another Cosmic Coffee Time.